So the Democrats have decided that the best man suited to carry forth a walloping of Trump in the 2020 elections is an absent-minded old geezer named Joe Biden. If this man were your own grandfather, you wouldn't let him out the house. You certainly wouldn't let him run for the highest office in the world. Since he can't remember what he said last night, let alone what his moderate positions of yesteryear were, the Democrats seem to be banking on the fact that he may be senile enough just to forget those positions and still carry out their new socialist desires. So that's their excuse for Biden. What's Republicans' excuse for their endorsement of far-left ideas? We are now seeing even more Republicans pop up in the Deep South who are indistinguishable from Democrats getting Trump's endorsement. So pay close attention to your local races because the left wing is pushing extremely insidious ideas like hormone blockers and sex change surgery for kids. And if the right doesn't push back against these, we lose the culture war. I'm John Miller, and White House Brief begins now. So Super Tuesday 2. Soup, that's actually not a thing, Super Tuesday 2. I never heard of it referred to Super Tuesday 2 uh, until this year. So we'll deal with that after a quick message from our sponsor today, who is Black Rifle Coffee. Now, Black Rifle Coffee Company, they are committed to supporting veterans, law enforcement, and first responder and those causes. They have a buy a bag, give a bag campaign, which is very simple. For every bag you buy, a bag is donated to our troops overseas. And in 2019, last year, they donated over 30,000 pounds of coffee to troops overseas in 2019. So CEO and founder Evan Hafer, he started Black Rifle Coffee Company along with Army Ranger Matt Best in 2014 after he served 20 years in the U.S. Army as an infantryman, special forces soldier, and CIA contractor. Black Rifle Coffee Company, they offer a variety of roast profiles from light, medium, and dark, and they are sourced from around the world and then roasted here in the U.S. The best way to enjoy Black Rifle Coffee is through the Coffee Club. It's a free subscription where your coffee, your coffee of choice, is roasted, packaged, and shipped free to your door on your schedule. And if you use my discount code WHB, you will get 20% off your first order. And if you are a true coffee lover, you really need to look into the exclusive coffee subscription. Every month, Black Rifle Coffee Company releases a limited amount of exotic micro-lot coffee from different corners around the world. And they also offer a selection of premium gear and merch from t-shirts to outdoor brew equipment. So make sure to check them out. Go to blackriflecoffee.com WHB and use my promo code WHB for 20% off your first purchase. Okay. So Joe Biden has taken control of the primary. He beat Bernie in Michigan by double digits, a state that, remember, Bernie Sanders won last year. Looks like he did the same thing in Missouri, where Bernie also won in 16, Mississippi, where Biden led in a similar fashion, and Idaho. Three of the four states that vote next week look favorable to Biden, due in part to the sizable black voting populations there. That would be Illinois, Ohio, and Florida. And then the following week is Georgia, where black voters are half the Democratic electorate. So Bernie is going to have a very challenging road ahead of him. That's putting it lightly. Biden looks like he's got this thing locked up. So how did this bumbling buffoon, Joe Biden, get to be the Democrat establishment favorite? 
and this guy, he clearly has some sort of complex. I don't know what it is, because unlike the mainstream media, who, who pretends to be doctors on TV and diagnose Donald Trump with specific mental illnesses, we don't have medical degrees. So we don't know, but it is clear that his profanity, laced tirades, his absent-minded stump speeches, his like bloody eye medical conditions, and his lack of stamina are indicators that he's not exactly, not exactly JFK we're talking about. Here, example, for example, is him cussing out a union voter who had the nerve, the audacity to point out something Joe Biden said that came out of Joe Biden's mouth. I'd like you to explain how you plan to not only keep us working, but how you intend on getting the union vote when there is a large portion of the union workers that are gun enthusiasts and you are actively trying to diminish our Second Amendment right and take away our guns. You're for shit. All right, thank now, you. Now, shush. I support the Second Amendment. Second Amendment, just like right now, if you yell fire, that's not free speech. And from the very beginning, I have a shotgun, I have a 20 gauge, a 12 gauge, my son's hunt. Guess what? You're not allowed to own any weapon. I'm not taking your gun away at all. You need 100 rounds. So when you were in Beto, no. when you said you're going to take our guns, that I did what? not say that. That's yeah. not true. I Thanks. did not say that. It's a viral video. Well, it's a viral video like the other ones are putting out that are simply a lie. Your voice, you said that you're taking the guns. Well, he just Beto. clarified it. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Take thing. your AR, your AR-14s. Okay. Yeah, he's coming for your AR-14s. Well, good, because not a single person in this country owns one since it does not exist. Later, he threatened to slap this voter across the face and then called him a, quote, horse's ass. Really, Biden? But this clip is a perfect representation of the Democrat frontrunner because it entails all the things wrong with the candidate, right? He has an incontrollable temper that gives off inferiority complex vibes, swearing and shouting at potential voters. It shows off his senility. He's unable to remember it's called an AR-15, it shows he is prone to incoherent contradictions, saying, quote, guess what? You're not allowed to own any weapon, only to immediately follow it up with, I'm not taking gun away at all, guns away at all. It shows his propensity for self-humiliation, right? A 20-gauge shotgun, shotgun is what a kid uses. It shows he can be sexist. You should never shush a woman. It is rude. And, of course, it showcases his love for telling blatant lies. I did not say that. Really, here's you talking with your own mouth. To, to gun owners out there who say, well, a Biden administration means they're going to come for my guns. Bingo. You're right if you have an assault weapon. Yeah, bingo. And I assume he wasn't talking about what he does at the old folks' home after he gets the laundry done. So how does the Democrat Party justify selecting a man who is so clearly ornery and unable to remember basic things and who hasn't exactly been a conduit throughout his career for these far-left socialist ideas that are so popular on the left? Well, don't mistake Biden's resurgence for an indicator that far-left policies like Medicare for All, a jobs guarantee, free college, and massive tax hikes aren't still extremely popular on the left. They are. For them, Joe Biden's fellow decrepit Democrat, Maxine Waters, explains what it is really about. It's not about um, who you like. It's about now watching and understanding who can beat Trump. But if that's the strategy for Democrats, 
What exactly is the strategy for Republicans who continually promote candidates who promote anti-MAGA, anti-Trump globalist messages? We know that strict immigration policies are what the American electorate wants. We know that reckless, transformative refugee policies are what the American electorate does not want. We know that strong, nationalist, anti-globalist policies are popular among the Republican base. We know policies that screw the American worker are what Trump's base doesn't want. And yet we continue to get feckless weaklings who buck those ideas in favor of policies that are nearly identical to the platform Joe Biden is running on. Take this chump named Tommy Tuberville, for example. He's a football coach who's running for Senate in Alabama. And he wants you to know that although he opposes illegal immigration, well, well we still want those foreign workers to come and take American jobs. They are people coming across the border that need jobs. Okay. And we want them to come over here. Then we let them come in and become citizens like we all became citizens. But Tommy Tuberville got Trump's endorsement this week. So if his opponent, Jeff Sessions, in the Alabama runoff was going to lose, he certainly will now. Now, here's another example. Last night, Cindy Hyde-Smith, who is a liberal Republican, ran uncontested in Mississippi's primary for Senate because Trump endorsed her instead of Chris McDaniel. I mean, this is crazy. And guys, I've heard of people who Trump uh, will not endorse or people who he's endorsed against that would make your head spin. Like what, Miller? Uh, because that person is key to the MAGA agenda, right? You would think. And yet Trump endorsed against them or did until last minute. Here's the truth. If Trump wants more people in Congress who are going to support his agenda, he needs to get smart. No more of this rhino BS, because this is, not, this is not just limited to Tuberville. There is a clear, coordinated effort. It's an inside effort to feed Trump all of these crap endorsements that, in effect, undermine the agenda that Trump instinctively knows is right, because it is the one that comes out whenever unscripted Trump comes out. And speaking of fighting like hell against liberalism, we cannot cave in the culture war because, you know, you've heard it before. If we lose the culture war, we lose the country. If we lose the culture, then what is the point of being America at all? We have institutions and values because they conserve our way of life. And progressives, they want to undo everything that got us here. So there's no need to settle down. Put yourself above everything else, they say. Kill that baby. Or if you had a kid, well, you can just pump him full of hormones until he likes a princess movie. Make that boy a woman or make that boy a girl. What could go wrong? If we continue on this path, we will one day look back and we're going to say, how the hell did we get here? How could we have prevented this? Well, I'll tell you in a minute. I just finished talking about what a disaster Tommy Tuberville will be in the Senate for Alabama. But the entire state of Alabama isn't hopeless because the Senate passed the Vulnerable Child Compassion and Protection Act, the Alabama State Senate did. This is simply a bill that makes it a felony for Alabama doctors to perform gender-changing treatments, including surgeries, on children under the age of 19. Crazy, I know. It would make it a Class C felony for doctors to perform castrations, vasectomies, hysterectomies, prescribe superordinary hormone treatments, or prescribe puberty blockers to any individuals 
who are not adults, even with parental permission. Now, I tweeted about this, and I got a bunch of shriekers in my mentions. These things aren't being performed on minors? Really? They aren't? If they aren't, then you should support these bills that block these things from being performed on minors. Of course they're being performed on minors. You either don't know what you're talking about or you're lying. There are kids on puberty blockers all over the country, kids under 18, and it is horrifying because the human brain does not stop developing until around age 25. Parts of the brain that are involved in decision-making do not fully develop until that age. These kids' brains aren't even close to being finished, and you still think that they are capable of deciding something that will irreversibly change the way their bodies work? Really? Any real conservative who is worth their salt, who believes life is precious, who believes that it should be protected and should easily be able, that person should easily be able to agree that what these gender dysphoric children are being put through by their parents and supposed healthcare professionals is barbaric. And yet similar bills like this have failed elsewhere in the country. In South Dakota, the Republican-controlled Health and Human Services Committee voted 5-2 to two to move HB 1057 to the 41st legislative day, effective, effectively killing the proposal as the annual session is limited to 40 days. So they move it to day 41, and it's killed. It's dead, just like the baby that you guys want to abort. I mean, what kind of crap is this? Shame on them. How can they call themselves Republican, let alone conservative? There are bills like this being introduced in Kentucky and Ohio as well. So we're going to be monitoring them because you need to pay attention to the local level. This is exactly why you can't only look at national politics and why you you can't really put too much stock into these endorsements. Because if you only pay attention to what's happening up here, you're going to miss what's happening down here and wonder how the hell did this happen? It happens first at the local level and then goes up. That's how you end up with people who are not serious about protecting the United States of America from the literal degeneracy of progressivism. So, you know, I don't want to tell you what to do. I know it's annoying to be told what to do, but local elections are important. I don't want to preach, but you need to pay attention and get involved at the local level if you want to stop this. Ignoring them is how you end up with a Republican committee voting against something as simple as protecting children. So Bernie Sanders lost big on Super Tuesday, too, both in momentum and delegate count. Does this mean that socialism on the Democrat side is dead? Morgan Zeggers runs Young Americans Against Socialism. She is here with me now to discuss. So, Morgan, does this mean that the Democrats have finally rejected far-left socialism and all of a sudden now they've realized, oh, no, they're ridiculous. We're on the moderate train now. We're back to a sense of normalcy. Oh, John. Well, I I really wish that I could tell you that that was the case, that we've defeated socialism and that by Bernie Sanders not being the nominee, we've done it and we don't have to worry about the future of the country being at risk anymore. But that's just not the case. And I I really wish it was. But unfortunately, the fight against socialism is really just starting, at least in the 21st century uh, of our country. And I I want to stress one thing, 70% of people my age in both millennial and Gen Z generations 
would vote for a socialist. 70% say they would vote for a socialist. But it's important to remember that the lies of the left have distorted what socialism really is. And if we work together as moderates and conservatives to really establish that Denmark and Sweden and those countries that Bernie Sanders claims his democratic socialism will make us like, they're capitalists. They have big programs. They have really high taxes. But at the end of the day, they rely on a capitalist backbone. And Bernie Sanders has been advocating for a socialist economy and advocating against capitalism for his entire political career. So, and it's not just young people. The numbers are highest with young people. But you look at the exit polls, NBC did exit polls, and in California, socialism is favorable among 54%. In North Carolina, so we're talking about southern states, still 48% favorable. In Tennessee, 47% favorable. And in Texas, it has a 57%, which is a majority, uh, favorable for socialism in Texas. So, I mean, that's really scary. So you mentioned young people. It's not just young people. And then you mentioned the fact that the, the march towards socialism is just getting started here in the United States. I think those numbers prove it. Absolutely. And and that's why, I mean, at CPAC, I saw you at CPAC last week, in all of my interviews, people were asking me, are we doomed when Bernie Sanders becomes the nominee? Are we doomed? When is socialism going to set in? And I would always say, you know, no matter what, if he's the nominee or not, the fight against socialism is just beginning. This is not just one candidate, one socialist candidate. You have really established organizations that are working to sow the seeds of socialism into all generations of Americans. I mean, the DSA, the Democratic Socialists of America, you have the Justice Democrats. What I will make one call out, if you go to the DSA website, the same people who advocate for a Denmark or a Sweden to be implemented in our kind of uh, country, if you read the website, they want to get rid of private corporations. They talk about ending private business, but they just don't have an idea for it yet. So on the website, it literally says, once we have an idea for the long run on how to do this, we'll make it happen. But for now, we're just going to high tax and highly regulate uh, businesses in this country. So they have very radical ideas, and they've been very successful at sowing the seeds of socialism. But one thing that they're really doing, they're using climate change. They're using the student loan crisis. They're using these ideas and these issues that the right doesn't really talk about a lot to to get support for their radical policy proposals. So a few things, because you mentioned Denmark, Sweden, Norway, which the left loves to use as examples of how socialism is able to thrive. You mentioned that they, in many ways, are capitalist societies and, you know, they do have high taxes. They also are very small countries which have a very homogenous population. So they're able to, you know, have people who are willing to pay higher taxes to have a higher social, uh, to have a, a bigger social safety net. But at the end of the day, they still have robust capitalism in some ways more capitalist than our society in some ways. So that's not what the United States would look like if we became socialist. I think they know this, and that's why they have, you know, these, these socialist organizations to hide the fact that, that the kind of socialism that they want would not look like that. And that's why, as you said, they kind of have to envelop it in these, in these uh, other policies, student loans, uh, the, uh, climate change, the Green New Deal. I mean, that is a massive socialistic program that they've simply said, oh, no, this is about the environment. But then when you actually read the, the, the policies that are inscribed within the Green New Deal— you realize, oh, this isn't about the environment at all. This is actually just about um, galloping socialism. It's about reimagining every aspect of your life in order to have the government control how you live, what you drive, what you can eat, what you can do. That's not what's happening in the, in the uh, Nordic states. 
Exactly. And one of the most important things, not a lot of American voters know this, but AOC's chief of staff admitted in an interview, he said, oh, yeah, the Green New Deal started as just an economic restructuring of the economy from uh, from capitalists to socialists. And then later on, they slapped the sticker on it of climate change to make it about the environment. Really, it's for marketing purposes. Uh, there's this really powerful story. Lenin, back in 1891 in Russia, there was this huge famine. Millions of people had to abide and Lenin is on record saying, you know, I could have helped people. I'm from a pretty wealthy family, even though he likes to be considered working class. Keep that in mind. He would say, I had the resources to help people in my country, but I didn't, because in order for them to want such a radical change in policy and economic structure, in order for them to support my radical ideas of Marxism and socialism and communism, things had to get bad. Things had to get bad. People had to feel desperate for change. And so I think that's what they're really pushing with climate change is the world's going to end in 12 years. And you will not save the planet. We cannot move forward unless we implement the Green New Deal. But then again, AOC's chief of staff admitted it was not about climate change when it was written. And that is a disgrace for them to peddle such fear-mongering policies. No, I think that's exactly right. And they know that they're never going to be able to get it done, uh, you know, just to all of a sudden implement kind of ironclad communism. So they kind of just make these desperate situations and then you can kind of achieve the same ends. And that's always been the the function of socialism is to kind of creep towards communism until you're finally there. But you get the same kind of terrible despotic regime that communism uh, has by just kind of creeping there through academia, through entertainment, through, you know, small political steps, you eventually achieve the same outcome. Am I incorrect in saying that socialism is just a stepping stone uh, on the way to to full on communism? Oh, absolutely. And Lenin said that himself. What we at Young Americans Against Socialism, my nonprofit, what we define it as is socialism is that economic transition where the government takes over the means of production, takes over the major industries in the economy. But communism, once you have that kind of economic power, communism is when you can really take over the control of the people on a more individual and personal level. And so it's it's economic, it's financial freedom, and then communism is really getting rid of that individual personal freedom. But I, I do want to say one thing. The fight against socialism is very long, and it's going to be won through education, through uh, intellect, through understanding of history. And so the more my generation, the more average Americans of all ages understand how socialist leaders came to power, you're right when you mentioned everything comes off as a great utopian promise. It seems great in the beginning, but the problem is these promises never come to fruition. And in, in the classroom, especially in the American classrooms, we're learning about Castro, we're learning about Stalin, we're learning about Lenin, but all we're learning is that they were evil dictators. We were not taught, and the connection was not made in the classroom, that these men started as Marxists and socialists that promised a very utopian society, a more free, more fair, more moral society with the implementation of socialism. And that just never came to fruition, those promises. And I think if we had that education proper from the classroom, we would be able to have red flags go off in our mind when we hear 21st century American politicians like Bernie and AOC make those same promises. Yeah, I mean, no one, no dictator is going to come to power by saying, oh, you're going to starve and you're not going to have any food and you might die and the elderly are going to be uh, waiting in line to get their bread. No one would come to power that way. So, of course, they do it through these utopian programs that seem really wonderful. But then ultimately, we know what they look like and they look like the despotic regimes that you read about in university or that you're 
told about. Morgan, quickly, what is your group, Young Americans Against Socialism, doing to educate people uh, uh, about socialism and how we are going towards it? You have about a minute. Well, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. We're really just making educational videos. Uh, a lot of times we interview people who have lived through socialism who can bring that element of emotion, that firsthand storytelling, and really show people in uh, America what it's like to live under socialism. It's a very bleak picture that they paint. Um, but we also, what we're focusing on, the emotion, and then also providing realistic solutions to the issues that my generation cares about most. Those are the two pillars and the two focuses of our videos. Um, all of that online. FightSocialism.org. I get a lot of people that ask me to talk to the young people in their lives. They're like, please talk to my daughter. I sent her to college and now she's a Marxist. Please talk to her and show her the truth. And so now I love that our website, we just say, go to FightSocialism.org and they will be able to see a lot of really great educational videos. All right. FightSocialism.org. Ladies and gentlemen, Mar Morgan Zeggers, we appreciate the time. Thank you, Morgan. Thanks, John. All right, folks. Remember, the White House Brief can be downloaded as a podcast. Make sure to check us out, iTunes, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we will see you guys next time. Hey, guys, thank you for listening to the White House Brief podcast. If you haven't already, remember to subscribe to the podcast. Please rate it, and if you feel like doing it, please leave a review. It really helps us out. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.